greet you in Jesus' name this morning. The title of the message this morning is, What Persons Ought You to Be? Taken from 2 Peter 3. You want to turn your Bibles and we will read that chapter. <clears throat> Beginning at verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing that this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Where nevertheless we according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the longsuffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our brother beloved Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. <clears throat> the 
were several things that stood out to me, and one's the title of the message. What persons ought you to be? Another one that thought, stood out to me was the phrase, the day of the Lord. Now, we're to here today on the Lord's day, but this is talking about the day of the Lord. In today's council meeting, <clears throat> and I was thinking about the day of the Lord, and how that relates to council meeting. Um, as Christians, we should be checking our lives every day. But it's good at times to double check. Now, that can get carried away where I'm told that people with ADD, attention deficit disorder, they don't pay enough attention and so they can't remember where they closed the window or they didn't close the window. And they go check the window and, and uh, then they, five minutes later it's like, wait a minute, did I close the window? And, and this becomes an obsession of whether the window's closed or not. <clears throat> they check and double 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 check. And I suppose there could be a spiritual application there too where people are so super conscientious that they just, you know, double check and double check and become obsessed with this thing of whether well, I'm just pleasing with God, pleased with God. And, and, uh, and sometimes I wonder whether we... Maybe you should address that a little bit more often. Usually our problem is we're too calloused, and so the preacher beats on us pretty hard in order to wake us up. Uh, but then that's really distressing for people who are super conscientious too. And so, uh, <clears throat> But the day of the Lord. So what would it be like if this was the day of the Lord? If, if somehow we knew that Jesus is going to come this afternoon, would it make any difference about how I would have looked at the Sunday school lesson? Uh, what I would say in my testimony? Uh, like, if this was it! I mean, we can get caught in this whole, like the day of the Lord becomes a figment of the imagination, and yeah, well, it's going to come, it's going to come, we know it's going to come, but likely it won't be today, so, but it's, the Bible says it's an irrefutable fact that the day of the Lord will come. And it's important that we not get caught in this thing of, not being prepared for the day of the Lord. And so, today's kind of a day of double checking. We stop and we double check. Not, I say this carefully, not primarily for everybody else's benefit in the church, but it's primarily between me and God. Now, one of the highlights of the year here at Prairie is, is council meeting. To me it is. People just sharing their hearts and just uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's 
one of the main reasons I got this little thing here and these things on my ears because when it comes to council meeting, I want to hear what everybody says. When it comes to men's business meeting, I don't want to be guessing what they're saying when it got done because well, I'm, I'm in serious trouble if I'm just getting half sentences and whatever. And so, uh, but what, what kind of person should I be, the Bible says? What, what person thought you, you to be? So we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. If I'm a person who professes Jesus Christ as my Savior, what kind of a person should I be? And, and this could get extensive. I'm trying to keep this to 15, 20 minutes, and so we need to move along here. Um, but see, what I am now will determine, what I am here and now determines not only my present spiritual condition, but how prepared I am to meet God. And so, so um, this morning, like, like I say, it's important that this happens here, but it's more important that I'm ready to meet the Lord. And that's what we're saying this morning. I'm ready to meet God. I'm, I'm ready. I'm at peace with God, and I'm at peace with my brother. And, uh, and so when we double-check, it's important that we're at peace with God, but it's also important... How, how this all fleshes out in my life determines how effective Prairie Mennonite Church is going to be in relating to community, relating to each other, how we reflect the ways of the Lord to those around us, to draw them to Christ. And so, so this whole thing of, of sharing... Is, is way broader than, than just what happens right here this morning as, as we can view it in the immediate situation. Well, number one, uh, there's a few things I'd like to point out here, and obviously I said I can't get extensive about this, but I need to be goal-oriented. Goal it says, looking for, in verse 12, looking for. What is my goal? What are my goals? What are my goals in life? Where do I want to end up? Where do I want to end up? And once I determine where I want to end up, then I need to then that determines how I'm going to get to that goal. Uh, last Wednesday night, uh, Gary talked about that. Where do you want to end up? You know, we can, we can choose our goal, and we, then we need to accept the road that gets to that goal. Or we can choose our road, and then we just have to accept the destiny. So if, if I want my road to be my road and doing my thing, then I need to accept what's the end of that road. But if I choose the destiny, then I need to accept what is on that road to, the to my destiny. How am I going to get there? Now, if I decided <clears throat> that I'm going to tour Brazil next week, would I have to do something? 
Absolutely, I would have to do something. I'd have to lay out a bunch of cash. I would have to get airplane tickets. I would have to uh, quit my work early enough to, to pack all my bags. And I would have to make sure there's gas in the car. And I would have to do all these things in order that I could get to Brazil. A lot of things. If you were to go to heaven next week, what would you have to do today? I sat in my chair and I thought about that. If I plan to tour heaven next week, what do I need to do this week? <coughs> Think about that. Number two, it says... In verse 12, looking for and hastening unto. Now, I always kind of thought of that in a group frame of reference. Okay, everybody, the whole world is just kind of rushing toward judgment. Because <clears throat> I studied this. This is a personal experience. Now, when I look at Jesus coming back, does that cause me hesitancy? Or am I going for that? Like, this is going to be the greatest event of my entire life. I was talking to a friend the other day. Uh, he was away from the Lord for a long time, came back to the Lord, and anyhow, my brother gave him his phone number, and anyhow, we was talking, and he says his dad was 85, 90 or something, I don't know, had some serious health problems and, and needed an operation, but was too weak, and, and the doctor says, what do you want me to do? He said, I, you can do anything you want, but don't stand in the way of me getting to heaven. Because he said, I have lived for that day all my life. And he said, I don't want you making it any longer. He was hastening on to his day to meet God. And he wasn't about to let anybody cheat him out of it. And I was just thinking about that. I not only need to be focused on the fact that Jesus is coming, but I need to be enthused about it, and I need to be embracing that event. And whether I embrace it, or whether I cringe away from it, may have something to do with how honest I am about this service today. That's a sobering fact. See, that turns it out of... Oh, that gets it out of the realm of the figment of the imagination into the reality of whether I really want it or not. Am I as enthused about winning and getting to heaven as the poor man in front of me that lays out his 20 bucks for lottery at the, at the quick trip? Am I willing to make all those sacrifices? Am I willing to lay down my hard-earned whatever? To get what I want. 
do I run toward the coming of the Lord? As a matter of fact, the Bible even implies, as we apply the truth to our lives, live a consistent Christian life, that it brings on the coming of the Lord. It would imply that. <clears throat> Do I see it as the greatest prize that will ever be given to me? And I'm enthused about it. And the sooner, the better. Or do I have outstanding issues with God? Number three, I need to be earnest and diligent. <clears throat> I need to be earnest and diligent. Verse 14. Be diligent. What do I need to be diligent about? Well, number one, he says you should be diligent about peace. A Christian temperament. Do I have a temperament of peace as an individual? The ability to be a peaceful person. You've met him. I've met him. Unfortunately, I've been one occasionally. Maybe more often than what I want to admit. But you've met cantankerous people. Now, I read the other day that if you don't drink enough water, you become cantankerous. So I, I guess you can always blame me on not drinking enough water. I don't know. Uh, it was an article that said if you don't drink enough water, it's the same as drinking two beers or something. I don't know what it was, but... Uh, do I actively pursue, am I a person who actively pursues the means necessary to accommodate others in such a way that truth is upheld and brotherhood is promoted? Do I actively pursue that? Am I a, not a peace embracer, am I a peacemaker? Do I make peace? Just living for God and other people. The Bible calls it to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before my God. The Amplified says, In sincere confidence, free from fears and agitating passions, and moral conflicts. Number two, I should be diligent about ridding myself of sin. The Bible calls it without spot. I need to be serious about sin. I need to be serious about, on the positive side, personal purity. I need to be working on it. I need to be diligent about it. Uh, the third thing he names, uh, we need to be diligent about being blameless. Anybody here blameless? Perfect. No, what, 
when can you seriously lay blame? When we know better and don't. That's where you lay blame. Now, if you're innocent and you don't understand, I don't blame them. Um, there was this young fellow came from, oh, where did he come from? Jordan, I think, came into our community, and and you know he, he a lot of things he didn't understand, and so he's he's a single guy, and he started batching it, and so so he buys stuff at the store, and he saw these things called pancake mix, and so he got some pancake mix, and he he stirred it up, how it said, and and uh, and so. Then it said to make the pan hot, and so he got this skillet thing or something, and got it hot and put something in there, and he poured a whole pancake thing in. It's like he didn't know. I mean, you mix it up; it tells you how to mix it up, and then you make pancakes. But it didn't say, you know, six or eight times, you know. And so he just poured a whole thing. He said, "Look like a birthday cake." And then he went for shampoo and he saw this stuff and he didn't know what they called it, whatever. And so this one bottle, it had L-Y-S-O-L on it. And so he thought, well, that might be a pretty good brand. And so he bought it and he put it on his head and doing the shampoo with Lysol. <clears throat> so he's in a learning curve. Do you blame him in his learning curve? No. You know, he made birthday cake once. That's fine. It's funny. But you make birthday cake again? No. You figure out what Lysol is? Like, kind of like got the wrong odor? That was back when Lysol was just Lysol. I mean, there was no lemon stuff that you could, that would work. That had that. What? Uh, pine tree smell or whatever. <clears throat> so we're on a learning curve, but we're to be blamed when we keep doing stuff we don't know. I mean, that we do know. Number four, what kind of person should a professing Christian be? What, what kind of person should I be? Number four, a person of wisdom and stability. Verse 17. Beware, lest ye be led away. A person of wisdom and stability. Not gullible. Now there's something about being a Christian and being a committed Christian that... that can make you gullible because you want more of God. You want to do right in greater ways. And, and, and there, there, there's a risk there. There's a risk there that you have to watch. Gullibility. 
Don't buy the idea of prevenient grace where God's grace covers your skin, covers your sin before you do it. That's out there. Don't be gullible. And there's people say that all health problems are resolved lack of faith. Or that prosperity is a living proof that you're right with God. Or, oh, Jesus loves two peop people too much to send them to hell. Or, uh, probably each day in creation is about a million years or more. Uh, yeah, everybody gets to heaven their own way. You just go one way and I'll get the other I'll go another way. We all meet at the top. Um... Jesus doesn't care what I do as long as I love him good. These things. Don't, don't be gullible. Don't be led away with this type of thing. Number five, and the last one I have, we need to be growing in grace. How do you grow in grace? Now, it says you grow in grace and knowledge. Well, I know how to grow in knowledge. But how do I grow in grace? You know, it, it's kind of a, a little vague. I mean, grace comes from God, so how do I... I mean, if God's given it to me, then, then you know, if, if I don't have much, obviously he didn't give, us much, give me much, and so, so how, how can I... Get more when, you know, it's like, what cleared it up to me is it comes, it's, it's the root word of graciousness. Graciousness. Someone said it's a divine influence upon the heart and it's reflection in life. Growing in consideration of others and thoughtfulness. Someone else described it as an outward expression of the inward harmony of the soul. I cannot be a gracious person if I am filled with personal conflict. And there's something about grace that is hard to describe, and I'm not sure exactly how to describe it, but once you're trying... It becomes put on. But then on the other side, how can I become a gracious person without trying? So it's not an act. However, it's a developed characteristics of a lifestyle that's committed to Jesus Christ. And so it's it's the character of Christ. If I am a if I'm not a graceful person, it tells how tells other people how much of Jesus Christ has been absorbed in my life or lack of how much has been absorbed. So so grace is somewhat an unconscious expression of a purposeful infilling because of my relationship with God. It's 
Christ flowing through me. Loving, caring, giving, sharing, serving. I don't know how to necessarily... It's kind of elusive. All I know is that when I have come in contact with a graceful person, I walk away. I know it. And if you ask me what made them that way, there could be a very good chance I'm saying, you know, I don't know if I can lay a finger on it. But I know that it's there. There is no doubt that it's there. Two old farmers' almanac quotes put it this way, and I like them. Live simply, love generously, care deeply, speak kindly, and leave the rest to God. Another quote. Live a good, honorable life. Then when you get older and think back, you can enjoy it the second time. That's the description of growing, growing in grace. So, What kind of person should I be? Challenging to me.